Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Kings and Tigers just getting underway at Rogers Place. Game five in the best of seven. The series is tied 2-2. NHL tonight, third period. Rangers leading the Blues 3-2. Predators up 2-0 on the Penguins. And after two in Detroit, the Red Wings have a 2-0 edge on the Devils. Ducks and Flames just underway in Calgary. Anaheim at Rogers Place tomorrow. We have it for you on 6.30, Ched. 6.30 face-off show game at 8. Wild and Golden Knights coming up later. And the Coyotes and Avalanche getting underway in a few minutes as well. Blue Jays up 4-0 on the Tigers. That's now into the bottom of the 7th. And NCAA basketball tournament number one seed in the Midwest, North Carolina, on the ropes. Big time. Nine minutes to go. Auburn, number five seed in the region, leading 76-59. Auburn up on North Carolina. And in the East region, number two, Michigan State, leading number three, LSU, 70-60, with four minutes left in the second half. Michigan State poised to move on there, and it looks like uh, a number one seed could very well topple tonight with North Carolina in trouble. All right, you can text 630-630. Read, this is Blaine, formerly of the Melville Millionaires in the SJHL circa 1989. I would like to get on the Cam Moon praise hotline as well. Met him at an SJHL All-Star game in Melville when he won MVP. Great guy. We need him on national NHL broadcast now. Blaine, I'm going to have to tell Cam you sent that in. He will be very flattered. Very flat. He is, he is a great guy. Remember a couple of years ago, Cam Moon came in and like this sat in for an entire show, Kellen. I don't know if you did that show. That was a lot of fun. I still want a bobblehead. <laughs> there was a Cam Moon bobblehead. There he, was. When I think he did his 1500th game with the Red Deer Rebels. He's a great guy. Great mm-hmm. guy. I, I absolutely love having Cam on the show. Richard texting and he says, I'm very glad to hear that there are two more years on Hitch's contract. I was hoping he would stay on in some type of a consultant capacity. Lots of knowledge to take advantage of there. Why not make him a second assistant GM? Where is it written in stone that you can only have one assistant GM? That's from Richard. Okay, interesting uh, question there, Richard. You know, uh, Hitch is a coach. And he thinks like a coach. He's basically obsessed with coaching and everything to do with it and breaking down games. And and that's what he referenced he was doing for Dallas, watching games, talking to Jim Montgomery when available. And I think that's the resource he will become for the Edmonton Oilers. I I think if we talk about 
what an assistant GM is going to do. Well, he's going to probably do more amateur scouting, help with the draft, you know, go watch junior leagues, European leagues, things like that. And to some extent, depending on the team, be involved in contract negotiations. I don't think Hitch wants to do stuff like that. I think he's uh, a very keen observer and analyst when it comes to the National Hockey League. So, again, I don't think Hitch is going to be back. I think there will be a new coach, and I think Hitch will be a resource for that coach when he feels it's time to step in or when he's called upon. I I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think, given Hitch's career, his path, his passion, that he wants anything to do with kind of being a a manager or have a manager-type title. I I get the question, Richard, but I, I, I don't see that. The, the path that he is going to go down. You can text 630-630. So we, and, and here's another thing, and I, I was talking to a couple people about this today. There isn't really that hot next name when it comes to being a head coach. Maybe that guy in the minors... Well, like Dallas Akins, uh, what six years ago, where it was like we know this guy is going to get hired in the summer. He's, you know, he's probably going to be a guy that a team picks to be the next head coach. There doesn't, you know, and I was talking to a couple people this afternoon. There doesn't appear to be that person in terms of a new head coach coming into the NHL. I, I know, you know, Stoffers talked about him about Chris Knobloch with Philadelphia, who's been an assistant coach there for a couple of years. He coached the Erie Otters. He coached Connor McDavid with the Erie Otters. He was very successful in Erie. He's probably going to be an NHL head coach someday. Does it happen next year? Does it happen with the Edmonton Oilers? Well, I don't know. That is going to largely depend on who the new GM is. Um, you know, do, do, you, do you hire a coach simply because of a connection with McDavid? I don't think that hurts the guy. But I don't know if that would be the the sole reason for bringing someone like Knobloch in. And then of course, and look, if the Oilers go with someone inexperienced, then you know we can't know until we see him handle the bench, until we see him coach, until we see him handle game situations, until we see him handle players. I I think it's more likely to me that the Oilers are going to go, you know, perhaps a little younger. Maybe someone in their 40s, early 50s even, like, you know, Hitch is 67, and I'm not saying that they they would look away from older coaches, but I think that might be the way they wind up, the new GM winds up leaning through all this. And if you look at some coaches recently who have been hired out of the NCAA, who, regardless of their age, have worked with a lot of of younger players and uh, maybe been more attached, I guess, to the modern player and the way the game is going, you know, that, that might be something that, that the Oilers look at doing. Now, having said that, I would think if Joel Quinville is still unemployed when the new GM is hired, you got to call Joel Quinville and ask him if he's interested or, or what his price would be. But again, at the point in his career, is Joel Quenville going to go to a team that is more than a good coach away from being a, from winning the Stanley Cup or even being a contender. And that's another thing I think you got to keep in mind here is the Oilers aren't outstanding coaching away from winning the Stanley Cup. I, there's no doubt coaching can make a difference. It's maybe worth a handful of wins or points in a year. 
but it's not as if the Oilers have fallen short because of coaching. And I think we've seen that this year. I mean, there's very little difference in the percentage for Todd McClellan and uh, Ken Hitchcock. They've done a little bit better under Ken, but not a whole bunch. And with Quenville, is he at the situation too? Is Okay, and i got to word this carefully because I'm not saying Joel Quenville is going to take a job so he can, you know, mail it in and have an easy life. But would would Quenville, if, if he isn't going to go to a Stanley Cup contender, would he then take lifestyle into it? Okay, I want to live someplace warm or that has this or that doesn't have income tax because some states, they don't pay state income tax. You know, Vegas, Florida, for example. So would he go somewhere and say, all right, maybe this team is a little further away from winning a cup than I would like it to be, but I can factor in some other things, and he's still going to bust his butt coaching and all that kind of stuff, but that would figure into a decision as well. You know, Elaine Vigneault, Dave Tippett, where are those guys going? And do the Oilers want to recycle a coach? As a fan, would you sooner see a recycled coach? And recycled isn't necessarily a negative word. I mean, if you recycle Joel Quenville, you're getting one of the best coaches of all time. Uh, but would you sooner say, maybe take a bit of a chance, maybe get someone younger, maybe get someone who has proven recently having success with younger players, whether in the NCAA or uh, Major Junior or in the American Hockey League, and give that individual a shot with the proper support around him. Rob says, what about the coach down in Bakersfield? Maybe it's time for Jay Woodcroft. Well, that is that is a really good question. Uh, I, you got, I think you have to give Woodcroft credit there. I think he has had, uh, I think he's had a good attitude with the players. I think there's been a lot of positive energy. Uh, after one year on the bench in Bakersfield, would he ready to be come up and, and, and be a head coach again? I don't know. Like That's his first year as a head coach. Now, if I take this back to Knobloch, and I don't want to sound like I'm pushing Chris Knobloch here. It's just the, the name is intriguing to me because of his connections to McDavid, because of his connections to Edmonton. He used to play for the U of A Golden Bears. And, you know, he's kind of that hot sort of up-and-coming guy. Uh, he's He's been a head coach more than Jay Woodcroft. You know, Western Hockey League, Ontario Hockey League, and now he's been on an NHL bench for a couple of years. Now, Woodcroft was on an NHL bench for a long time, too, because he was with McClellan in San Jose. But I would think that Jay Woodcroft's lack of experience being the head coach, being a head coach, might just knock him down a peg, even though absolutely he has done a great job in Bakersfield. Another name to remember this summer, and I'm not, uh, and I'm not necessarily seeing this guy for the Oilers, but I, I got to I got to interview him at an Oilers game five or six weeks ago. He was here, and that is Ricard Gronborg, who has been the head coach of the Swedish national team for the last few years. He has dual citizenship, United States and Sweden. He played in the NCAA. He was an assistant coach in the Western Hockey League. And he has made no secret of the fact that he wants to be a head coach in the NHL. I mean, he's not hiding it. Um, I I know I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago, and I said, well, would he not have to come over and be an assistant first if he comes back to North America and and joins the NHL? And, And this person said to me, not necessarily. And don't forget, when you've been a head coach, it's hard not to be a head coach. 
right? Like you, you, you've been the guy, you've been the guy calling the shots, and now it's like, hey, come to the NHL. Oh, by the way, you're not in charge. So just remember that name. I'm, I'm not saying necessarily he's going to be a candidate for the Oilers, but he's he's pushing hard, and obviously there are going to be some jobs out there. Ricard Gronberg from Sweden. Oh, here's another name to remember that's probably going to get hired this summer. Not here, Todd McClellan. But we'll see where he winds up. It is 7-17. We will talk uh, a little golf because some positive developments on the local scene because of the weather. And Brendan Escott will check in with a little talk about the AJHL. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Five minutes into the first period, the Oil Kings lead Medicine Hat 2-1 in Game 5 of that series, which is tied 2-2. Pavlenko and Fighton, the goal scorers for the Oil Kings. Uh, Edmonton scored 16 seconds into the game. The Tigers came back at the 39-second mark, and then uh, Andrew Fighton scores at 5:08. So Edmonton up 2-1 early in Game 5 against Medicine Hat. Our next guest is currently doing a webcast for the Sherwood Park Crusaders. So obviously we had to tape this this afternoon. Brendan Escott, the producer of Oilers, now here on 630 Ched. He's doing play-by-play for Game 1 of the AJHL's North Final between the Spruce Grove Saints and the Sherwood Park Crusaders. And I want to get an update on what's going on in the AJHL. Brendan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Reed. It's always a pleasure to join you. Yes, it's great to see you as if we don't spend enough time together. That's right. Sit side-by-side for all the Oilers' home games. And we both were picking our... Jaws up off the ground after McDavid scored early in the second period. I didn't even realize he had done the between the legs maneuver until I saw the replay. Like I knew there was a, a little move in there, but I didn't realize it was quite that elaborate till we got to look at the replay. Oh, I agree. And it, kind of, it looked like something was just a little bit off. It looked like a funny angle that it came off of. And then I started thinking there's, there's no way he just went between his legs after he pulled off the move to get there. Well, he did. So yet again, the the kid wonder finds a way to wow the fans. But I'll take this briefly in a different direction. Was he one up? Did you see Warren Fogle's goal out of Carolina? I did. And for that to happen in the same night, you've got two goal of the year candidates right there. And it's funny, too, because remember earlier in the season, all the controversy about... Warren Fogle having drawn more penalties than McDavid. Yep. And the whole, who's Warren Fogle? So Warren Fogle <laughs> last night saying, I'm the individual move guy. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, well. I don't know if that's exactly what he was thinking, Brandon. Uh, doubtful, doubtful. In fact, I don't think either of them knew that the other move had happened. But they're going to be going head to head. They're going to be going head to head on ranking sheets from now and through the rest of the year. And you were there with McDavid after the game. We we played the your your post game audio, and he just he just won't talk about it. He just and I said to Rob after the game, if somebody else scored, if a teammate scored that goal, he'd be happy to talk about it. But no, and I and I guess he doesn't want to maybe tip anybody off about what he's thinking when he's going in like that. But yeah, very little very little comment or anything in the way of explanation on that play. Right, and as a media member with a job to do, that drives you crazy, but. That's that's the nature of hockey, and especially when you get uh, you know a mild mannered young leader of a team who has been in the spotlight, and and it's been difficult for them to negotiate the media. So yeah, you don't you don't get them to say anything at the best of times. But you're right, Reed. I think if it was Drysaddle who pulled off that goal, that we would have been hearing a lot more out of him. 
All right, so Oilers and Ducks coming up tomorrow here on 6.30. Chad, uh, you're busy as well with the Alberta Junior Hockey League. What are we down to the division finals already? It sure is. All right. A couple of big ones. So the Crusaders and Saints, the, the suburb series? That's what it's being is dubbed. This, is this, is, so it's this is new? Correct. Okay, because I, I was thinking, I don't remember anybody ever calling it that before. Right. Uh, so this is something, I, the teams actually put it up to a vote. There was a little back and forth on Twitter. They decided the fans would vote, and suburb series was picked out uh, amongst Henday's series. Battle of Highway 16, that sort of thing. Uh, call it what you will, it's going to be an incredible hockey series, and it's right in your backyard, so there's no reason to not come check out uh, some of the best hockey in town. All right, so, well, a suburb series, I guess, has a good ring to it, borrowing from the Subway series of the Mets and the Yankees. Possible uh, World Series this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. All right, so Crusaders were obviously had a really good regular season. They got pushed, though, quite a bit by Fort Mac. They did, and just based on how the regular season series went between those two teams, that didn't come as a surprise to me. They needed overtime three times to beat Fort Mac, and they, they won 4-2 in the season series. They also won the uh, playoff series 4-2. It was the road performance that they lost twice at home. Those two losses came in Sherwood Park, but they went and took care of business on the road against a team who plays a very heavy brand of hockey. Um, and when they were playing Oil Barons hockey, they found a way to slow down the Crusaders' attack. And ultimately, the Crusaders just have too high power of an offense to be tamed for that long. But it was a grind of a series. And conversely, you've got the Spruce Grove Saints who swept Bonneville and had a few extra days to rest. So we'll see if there's, uh, I don't expect any rest, but that'll be one of the storylines heading into game one tonight. So was that a pretty big surprise that they swept Bonneville? Because wasn't Bonneville higher in the standings? Bonneville was second. It wasn't a surprise only for the fact that Spruce Grove really was rolling at the end of the year. They finished on a 9-1-0 run, I believe, to finish off their regular season. Claw their way. It looked like they might actually end up passing Bonneville, who at the same time started spinning their tires sort of at the wrong the wrong time. So Bonneville did make it into the second round. And uh, you know what? I think experience is a factor in that series. Bonneville wasn't necessarily expected to be as competitive as they were just because they have been a group for so long. The Saints, Bram Steven has had that group there for a while. They've got some of their key contributors like TJ Lloyd. Their character guys have been there through their run uh, last year to the Interpipeline Cup final and, and that sort of thing. So mm. this is the time of year where that stuff really starts to factor so in. So how do these two teams play? Are they? Is it going to be a contrast or are they going to be looking to do the same types of things? What do you expect? Well, like Crusaders, they they open it right up. They've got three lines that can just destroy you offensively uh, with pace, with forechecking. They score so much off the rush uh, and from the back end as well. They've got some real slick puck movers. And, you know, people that have listened to this show even know a lot about Michael Benning and that sort of thing. Conversely, the Saints, they they really have, they build from the defense out. So they've got an excellent young goaltender in Matt Davis. And in front of him, they've got quite a few committed players who are going to go play Division One next year, uh, T.J. Lloyd, their captain, is kind of heading that ship. They will grind you down. They'll play defense first. They've got real good 200-foot centers, and they play a, a very different style of hockey. I think that they go earn it in the offensive zone with puck possession, whereas the Crusaders like the track meet, like I said. So, again, which one's going to win out? I can't even offer a prediction at this point, but it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, what's happening in the South? In the South, it Besides is... Besides Brooks being heavily favored. It's the mighty Brooks Bandits against the Okotoks Oilers. So the Oilers won the AJHL last year, and uh, this year the Brooks Bandits are, well, 57-3 and three through the regular season. They've lost a couple times in the playoffs. Now the Canmore Eagles did uh, hang a loss on them in that last series, but 
you're looking at coming out of the north and basically who's going to end up playing Brooks as the national champions this year, or championship hosts, I should say. All right, so what's ahead here for the Crusaders and the Saints? So they've got uh, tonight and tomorrow in Sherwood Park, and then they'll have uh, Sunday off, Monday, Tuesday in Spruce Grove. So there's your first four games. All right, Brendan, thanks for sticking around, buddy. My pleasure, Reed. All right, so there's Brendan Escott. Quick look at the AJHL North and South Finals, and I can tell you that in Sherwood Park, about halfway through the first period, Spruce Grove has jumped out to a one nothing lead, and in Brooks, halfway through the first period, the Bandits lead the Okotoks Oilers 2-1, and here's some good news. Another goal for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Trey Fix-Wolanski gets in the goal column for the first time in the series. Ten minutes in, the Oil Kings leading Medicine Hat 3-1 in Game 5 of that best of seven. Looks like North Carolina will be eliminated from the NCAA tournament, the number one seed in the Midwest, trailing Auburn by 18 points with two minutes left in the second half. Michigan State has advanced by knocking off LSU 80-63. We'll check your NHL scoreboard when we get back. We'll let you know how close the Blue Jays are to getting their first win of the season. Here's a hint. They're very close. We'll touch on a little bit of golf, and uh, we'll talk some senior hockey as well with the Allen Cup coming up on April 8th, hosted this year by the Lacombe General. So you can text 630-630, our phone number 780-496-0063. Back after the news. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. One out in the top of the ninth. The Blue Jays two outs away from winning as they lead the Detroit Tigers 6 Nothing NHL tonight. Rangers have beaten the Blues 4-2. Ducks up 1-0 on Calgary with five minutes left in the first period. Also in the first, no score. Coyotes and Avalanche. Red Wings leading the Devils 2-0 in the third. Late second period, Nashville with a 3-1 cushion on the Penguins. Pardon me, that's late in the third period. Predators up 3-1 on the Penguins. 41 shots on goal for the Pens, but only one goal. Wild and Golden Knights coming up in half an hour. Oilers-Ducks tomorrow on 6.30. Chad, face-off show at 6.30. The game will start at 8. Western Hockey League, Oil Kings leading the Tigers 3-1. Seven minutes left in the first period of Game 5. That one being played at Rogers Place. And uh, Auburn has now beaten North Carolina 97-80. So the number one seed in the Midwest is out. Number 5, Auburn, moves on to the Elite 8. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. They have their brunch Sunday, 11 a.m. until 2, featuring biscuits and gravy with smashed potatoes visit North Chicken YEG.com great spot 124th Street 107th Avenue it is Friday and a week from today Kellen will you be gone I will be gone yeah when do you leave? Uh, Wednesday, red eye, Wednesday morning. And, and it's uh, the, the football stadium in New York? Yep, MetLife Met Stadium on uh, the Sunday, WrestleMania Sunday. This is WrestleFest? 
WrestleMania. WrestleMania. What? What is this? Like the fifteenth one? Thirty second? Thirty fifth? Pretty close. And what's the what's the main attraction? What's the what's the headline bill? What All right now, uh, the what's main attraction. What's the main event? Well, the main event is Ronda Rousey defending the uh, WWE Women's Title, which will be rechristened at WrestleMania as such. It's going back to WWE Women's Title uh, with uh, it's the match is Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair. How do they have three of them? Triple threat. So they all all fight each other at the same time? Well, the first person to pinfall or submission wins. Oh, so one person will just be standing there? Pretty much, or incapacitated or knocked out or with a chair around her neck or something. So So one pin and you win. You don't have to pin both people. Yep. All right. Uh, Do you think you could name every wrestler ever? Past and present. <laughs> How about uh, your knowledge? Sixty percent of them. How's that? Your knowledge is pretty impressive. You're right on top of Thank everything. You. Thank you. Yeah. And is there a, a, a headline match involving male wrestlers? Yeah, uh, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins for the Universal Title as well. The Universal, because the World Title's not enough. Universal. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Gotta go for the Universal Champion title. of the Universe. Okay, and. So is so the universal belt that's bigger than the world belt now? Uh it's just the just, it's it's the big belt on Monday nights. So it's a big but, big belt okay. on Monday night raw. Yeah. Because don't forget Dave. I find wrestling actually quite confusing <laughs> to follow when I talk to people about it. Maybe that's why I don't follow it. I get that a lot too, so there we go. So they have a Monday night belt. Yeah, and what, a Tuesday do they night. Have belt. A, so they have a belt for every day of the week. They almost do, but they don't. If that makes sense. Okay, so the Universal <laughs> Champion is for Monday night. For Monday night, yeah. And the, then what's the other big one? WWE title is Tuesday nights now. Okay. Which will move to Friday nights in October because Fox has bought oh the rights for SmackDown Live. So there All we right. Go. And who has that belt? Uh, that is, I have to think now. Oh, yeah, Daniel, Daniel Bryan's Oh, guy. the yes guy. Yeah. Okay, I know that. But now he's the no guy. He, now he yells no. Yeah. Why? Because he's a bad guy. Oh, now he's turned heel. That's right. See, you've taught me the lingo. There you I go. Just, I just worked turned heel into conversation. Mm-hmm. So will the universal guy ever fight the world guy? Uh, they do that every year in November during the Survivor and the, Series. What is that? That's Survivor Series. Like, what's bigger than the universe? <laughs> the intergalactic champion. No, I, I don't know. What, what would be bigger than the universe? Okay. Yeah, talk to Neil deGrasse Tyson for that, you know? That's incredible. Call Drex up. He talks about that. By the stuff. way, I have a confession to make for, okay. to our listeners. Go for it. We often get into conversations like this. I've been watching Star Trek Discovery. And? Uh, well, I just found out who the Red Angel is, if that helps people. I'm almost Ooh. caught up. I think I'm caught up except for yesterday's episode. How do you like the series? Is it pretty good? Oh, I enjoy it. I mean, I've kept watching it. I've probably watched it all over the last couple of months. I've heard nothing demand. but good things about it. So. Yeah, it's pretty good. Hmm. It's, uh, it's interesting. Spock is in it. Really? Spock's in everything. Wow. Uh, Vic says, Reed is slim in the entertainment value of WrestleMania. Now, that is a great text from Vic, working in the word we invented earlier on the show and the current discussion topic. Vic texts all the time. He does not strike me as a wrestling fan because right. he's a pretty big football guy and, and hockey as well. Mm. So I don't know if he would be into the sports entertainment as much as just the sports, but I don't know. I don't know Vic that well. And uh, Matt the Plumber texting in saying, this one goes to 11. Love it. 
That's right. Love the random Spinal Tap references. Does a wrestler say that too? Because that's from Spinal Tap. This you one know what? There's left. a guy in WWE's farm system that is, I kid you not, doing a full-on 80s hair metal. They have gimmick. a farm system? Yep. What's it called? NXT. NXT or Next. Next, yeah. Catchy, right? I, I do feel like I always learn a lot from you when we talk about wrestling. Now, I forget 95% of it when the show ends. But I find it oddly entertaining. I well, not oddly entertaining. I actually find it genuinely entertaining, because you are just so passionate about it. And maybe sometimes we spend a little bit too much time on it. But I, I just, I honestly am impressed, Colin. Even though I, I bug you about it, like any wrestling question I throw at you, you are just right on top of it. Thanks. Like WrestleMania oh. Seven, who won the belt? Oh, that was Hulk Hogan over Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> See, there you go. Like you just I just watched it a couple days ago, so it's fresh my mind. We did not so plan that. I just, I'm like, <laughs> I'm just gonna randomly pick a WrestleMania. And by the way, another thing I'm passionate about podcasting, which you can go back and listen to this hour to find out what we talked about later on in the year on the Inside Sports podcast page. Yes. So there we go. We should separate all the wrestling stuff, though. Uh, we haven't figured that we out. We should yet. have the best of Kellen talking about wrestling. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Okay, let's just get to this. If you missed this earlier, I do want to play this. If you heard it before, it's not that long, and you're probably interested. Hitch talking about his contract and his future with the Oilers. I, 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 I see it the same as we did before. This is a very unique situation for all of us. We're, we're going to coach our butts off until the end of the year and then it's going to be 100% in somebody else's court. You know, they're going to make a decision on on what they want to do from a general manager standpoint and then that's the pecking order is the general manager gets to hire whatever he wants to do and so we're just coaching to the end of the year and trying to get every ounce we can out of it and stay in the fight here. I love the way the team's playing right now and I think I feel like the players do. We don't want the season to end. We're playing well, and we don't want it to end. You do still have that advisory thing that traveled with you. Yeah, it seems it seems to go with that forever. So but you can, even if you're not the coach, you'll still be working for the Oilers. Well, the, I, I want to help here, and so it, again, but it's up to the general manager. It's up to whatever they decide. I mean, if they want whatever they want, they're going to have to make that decision. So it's kind of in someone else's hands. Our whole, everybody's coaching career is in someone else's hands and and uh, we'll find out uh, after uh, Bob hires the general manager but are you comfortable with that that it could be until look all I, 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 I don't care I don't care I I just want to help the Oilers you know I I came here for the right reasons and the more I stay here the more I feel like all I want to do is help the team so whatever they want me to do uh, if I can help the team that's what I want to do so wherever they think I fit um, I'm more than willing to help. All right, so there's Hitch. Wherever they think I'm fit, I am more than willing to help. That's the latest from uh, him today as we wind down the Oilers' regular season. Hey, golf. This is great. Let's go to Daryl McDonald. He's the executive director of the Millwoods Golf Course. Daryl, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Great. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. It's it's awesome to have you on the show, and I know a lot of people have been very excited. You got your driving range up and running at Millwoods. Always uh, one of the best days of the year, I would assume. It was absolutely. We opened yesterday at 11, and today it was, yesterday was packed, and there's a lineup out here right now, so it's great to see some familiar faces and some new faces out there hitting some balls. Uh, it was a bit of a challenging last few months. I mean, I'm going to go all the way back to, to last September when it was terrible. Uh, and then October was actually nicer than September. And then throughout the winter, uh, I, I mean, obviously there were some 
parts where it was mild, but then there were some uh, parts that were pretty bad. And me, as a, as a golfer myself, I was starting to thinking, oh, wait a minute, how is this going to impact things? I mean, what part of the winter, what things about the winter actually impact the golf course uh, the most, where maybe if something happens, you might be thinking weeks or months ahead about the impact on your course? It's actually uh, like uh, November, <clears throat> excuse me, November when it was kind of raining a little bit. It was quite warm in November. So um, that's what happened last year to all the golf courses. It rained in November as well, and everybody basically had ice damage. So that's the worst thing for, for a golf course is if it rains early and it freezes and it gets ice on the golf course, that's what kills it. Okay, so you're not, you're not too worried then about heavy snow or extreme cold throughout the winter, eh? <laughs> We love snow. The snow acts as sort of a blanket, Reed. So, um, and then also, when it gets really cold, and if we have a lot of snow, it means the ground doesn't freeze as, uh, as deep. And that's what we're finding this year because we had quite a bit of snow. That uh, some a little um, water breaks already breaking out here on the golf course because the ground isn't as frozen as it was last year, which is good. Okay, well that's that's good to hear for sure. Once yeah. you know, and, and it was obviously you know fairly cold even two or three weeks ago. When did you start to feel optimistic that you might have the range open, not even in April or or in March? Well, we last year we opened April sixteenth, but um, so. We plow our driving range. That's the only basically reason we're open, is we have a plow that comes in, a company that comes in and plows our range. Because um, I drove by Victoria Range the other day, and it had tons of snow on it still. So we'd probably still have tons of snow, but we plowed it this year. So uh, we're open up a little bit early. The snow drifts are about eight feet high on the right-hand side of the, of the driving range. Oh, jeez, okay. Daryl McDonald joining us from Millwoods Golf Club. He's the executive director there. So I'm sure a lot of people are like me. You don't swing at all over the winter. I know there's there's simulators and sometimes people get out or, or might go to a warmer climate and maybe get in some rounds, but uh, I'm one of the people that uh, are, are not able to do that, and I think there are a few people in my, in my shoes. So when you go to the range for the first time or play around for the first time, uh, what do you recommend just to sort of get back into the groove and, and feel good and, and obviously not hurt yourself because you might be activating some muscles that have been dormant. Right. Well, I, I just saw a guy walk in the shop and he had his driver and that's all he had. And I said, oh, have you been hitting balls lately? He goes, no, first time out. So the guy's just got his driver. So I suggest, you know, obviously stretching a little bit and maybe starting out with your wedges a little bit, sort of half shots, you know, maybe then to a wedge, maybe a nine, an eight, and kind of build your way up until, until your longer clubs and especially your drivers and your woods kind of thing. So just ease into it, hitting some half shots and then some wedges. That's what I would suggest. Okay, perfect. All right, what are your hours on the weekend here, Daryl? Uh, we're going to be up nine till seven. All right. Well, I think pretty much good. every day. Pretty much every day. Okay. Well, pretty I think much every day. Yeah. I think you'll be busy. Thanks for checking in today, man. Have a great weekend. Reed, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Thank you. Daryl McDonald, executive director at the Millwoods Golf Course, not far from the station here. The driving range is open. Good stuff. Hey, the Edmonton Oil Kings rolling tonight a 4-1 lead over Medicine Hat after the first period. This is Inside Sports on 6:30. Chet. You're listening to 6:30 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Golden Leopard, and they're going to the Rock Hall. They are. Yeah. Here you go. Check out the Rock Hall. I, I've been there. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Will I go again? Maybe. 
Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, man. A lot going on in hockey. We've been talking, obviously, about the Oilers. They play the Ducks tomorrow. We updated the Western Hockey League playoffs. We updated the AJHL playoffs. And we're going to update what is going on here on the uh, road to the Allen Cup. The Lacombe Generals host it starting, man, next Monday already, April 8th. But a little bit of business for Lacombe to take care of before that. And I'm pleased to welcome from the Generals forward, Jesse Todd. Jesse, welcome to Inside Sports, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is great to catch up with you. And, uh, man, I used to cover the Lloyd Border Kings. I covered a few Allen Cups when I was working in in, uh, Lloyd Minster, and I got so much respect for that level of hockey and how hard players like you uh, work. Uh, But tell us what's going on first this weekend. I know you're – I'll ask you this way. You guys are in the Allen Cup. Innisfail is in the Allen Cup. So why are you playing each other this weekend? What's going on? Uh, basically, uh, to get into the Allen Cup, you got to win provincials with us hosting, um, and then also finishing first in our league. We were able to get a bye to the provincial final. So, Innisfail and Stony Plain played each other for a, through a best of seven, and uh, now we just got to kind of decide who the provincial winner is, I guess, just to kind of keep things going the, the same way we have done in the past years. Okay, so they're just declaring a provincial, provincial champion and there's obviously no playoff against a BC team this year. No, there was supposed to be a BC team, but they canceled last minute. So it's just uh, it's kind of like a pre-tune-up for us. We've been off for a couple weeks now. We had a game last weekend up in Wainwright, which we got an overtime win, so it's just be good for the guys to get a couple games in and kind of get the the timing back and everything. All right, and it's a two game two game total goal for you in Innisfail. Yeah, yeah, it'll start in Innisfail tomorrow night, nine thirty, and then we'll head to Lacombe on Sunday, seven o'clock. Nothing like a nine thirty p.m. game on a Saturday, eh? <laughs> yeah, we couldn't really understand why they wanted to start so late, but uh, we'll show up like we always do, and hopefully things go well. All right, good stuff. Jesse, tell us a little bit about your journey here. Uh, you played for the Camaros Kodiaks from 05 to 08, and uh, you were on a couple uh, pretty good teams there with Boris Rabalco, weren't you? Yeah, we were able to, to win the AJHL title in back-to-back years. And actually, my, my first year there, so I played three years, we actually went to the finals, and we lost to Fort McMurray, who ended up doing pretty well that year, and then we won back-to-back. Never got to get the national championship at that level, but we still were able to to make it to the tournament twice. Lost in a semifinal matchup the one year, and then in the finals the next. So, yeah, Camrose are a really successful uh, program. They were the powerhouse team when when I was covering the league. Did you play Fort Mac in the final that year? Like every game ended one nothing. It seemed like. Yeah, it was pretty close. They were always. <laughs> Two one one nothing three two maybe was the highest scoring game. There was it was tight battles. It could have honestly went either way. Like I think uh, two of the three years we played them and they were always a, a tough battle for us. You got to go to Merrimack College. That's in Massachusetts, right? Yep. Yeah, it's just about I don't know forty five minutes outside of Boston. So what was the recruiting process like for you coming out of the AJ? Were there were there a lot of options? Was that a a difficult decision at the time? I was looking to try to get a Div 1 scholarship. I had a few uh, Div 3 schools contacting me, but I was kind of set on Div 1, and Merrimack was the only one that would really call. So I went on a fly down, enjoyed my time. I I had a few 
buddies actually that from Camos that were down there at the time, and then also one I went with one Carl Stollery. He's still kind of playing over in the the KHL right now. We went down together. He had committed a year earlier, so it actually made it quite an easy transition to go down. And I'd already known three guys out of Camos that were on the the college team, so that made it a lot easier for me just to transition right into that lifestyle. You got to play pro, Hamilton Bulldogs, Reading Royals, uh, played in Trenton, played in San Francisco even. Uh, I mean, that's quite a journey, and and, uh, we don't have a lot of time right now, but uh, I imagine you got some pretty cool stories from playing in the ECHL, and and you got to experience, I guess, what we call in Canada the the non-traditional hockey markets. Yeah, that that first year was, uh, it was actually the lockout year. So the AHL was flooded with players. The East Coast was flooded with players. and I actually was on three teams that season. So I drove out with my father down to uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. Then when they traded me all the way out to San Francisco, they, he just told me, oh, you got a car? Okay, get in your car. Start driving. It took four days just driving by myself all the way across the country. Never really been to the States much. And then... I was joking with a few guys on the San Francisco team saying, if I get traded out east again, like I got a flyer. I don't know what I'm going to do. And at the deadline, of course, I got traded again back to New Jersey. So I was able to actually get a flight out there and get some games in. So it was, it was good to finally start playing. But it was it was a wild, wild first year in pro, that's for sure. Jesse, we're going to have to bring uh, bring you on again. We're, we're tight for time here. But I, I do want to ask you, uh, I think this is your fifth year playing senior triple-a hockey in alberta just the the best thing that keeps you going back and and playing senior triple-a oh it's, it's the allen cup tournament for sure I, i've always i was fortunate enough to play in the chinook league with okotoks and uh we never really it was just one year they folded and then uh luckily ginner called me and told me to come play for bentley and which is now lacombe and we were able to win it my first year and i was just this is awesome like we'll do this a bunch more times and I always told my wife I, I need two Allen Cups so I can get two rings for, for each of my boys. So that's probably why I'm still chasing the second Allen Cup. Well, that's awesome. It's cool the tournament's. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply back in Alberta in Lacombe starting again April 8th and uh, you guys have the home and home with Innisfail this year to crown a provincial champion. Jesse, all the best. Thanks for joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Hey, thank you. Thanks. That is Jesse Todd from the Lacombe Generals. My name is Reed Wilkins. 6.30 tomorrow, face-off show. Oilers and Ducks. The play-by-play will start at 8. Have a great weekend. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.